0: Hi there, it's Megan Mitchell from Agents of Change. Thanks for checking out my podcast. If you enjoy the content, please check out my ASWB test prep courses for the bachelor's, master's, and clinical exams. Each Agents of Change course includes more than 30 key topics that closely match the ASWB KSA content areas. Our content is great for both auditory and visual learners and includes video walkthroughs, supplemental materials, hundreds of practice questions, and twice monthly live study groups with me. You can learn more and get 10 free practice questions at agentsofchangeprep.com. Hi there, this is Megan Mitchell with Agents of Change Social Work Test Prep. And I'm here today to bring you an updated social work shorts on the helping process. I will say this is probably going to be one of the most helpful videos that we have out there because it really is a good framework that guides how social workers engage With clients and help them along in their journey. So I'm going to break down what the steps are and how you can apply this when looking at questions on test day. So you might be asking yourself, what is the social work helping process? You may have also heard it referred to as the generalist model, but basically what this helping process is, it's a series of steps that we as social workers use to work with clients when we're helping them resolve their issues or problems, right? We have to have a starting point and we have to have an end point. So I will explain why this is helpful for first and next questions. And I will go through each of the different stages and explain what you would do as the social worker in each of these stages. Here are our six stages. The first is engagement the second is assessment, the third is planning, fourth intervention, fifth evaluation, and sixth termination. And why is this helpful for first and next questions? Because if you get a question on test day that says what would you do first or what would you do next, Mm -hmm. this model This process will help you determine where you are with that client, because what you do in the first stage engagement is very different than what you would be doing later down the line with intervention, evaluation, termination. So it kind of gives you a good touch point of where you are with the client. And it really helps you tune into the clues that the question stem is giving you. And some people like um, memory tricks. So our memory trick for the social work helping process is eat pie today. Eat would be engagement, assessment, pie, planning, intervention, evaluation, today, termination. So you're really using those first letters, eat a pie today. If you look, it's the first letter in those different stages. So if you're looking for, a little memory trick that is one that some people have used with success to kind of help them jog their memory when they are trying to remember these six stages. So let's jump right into our first stage, which is engagement. Engagement is generally done in the first session. Of course, I do want to preface this by saying every situation you're in is going to be different. Every setting is different. Um, But this is kind of the general framework that we are going to work from today. So engagement, what are we doing here? We're doing exactly what it says. We're engaging the client. We want to ensure the clients come back for a second appointment. So engagement's really important. Engagement allows us to build rapport and establish trust with clients, right? We wanna make them feel comfortable. This is our first opportunity to meet them and start to build upon that therapeutic relationship. So what else happens in engagement? You're building rapport, you're establishing trust, and then you're also kind of giving them the nuts and bolts of what's going to happen. So you would discuss confidentiality, you would make sure you get informed consent, you would discuss boundaries, expectations for treatment. It's really generally like I mentioned that first session, but you should be building engagement throughout because we know that it's not a one and done thing. Rapport is built over time, but engagement is our first opportunity to begin working with the client. So it's really important that we are putting our best foot forward to meet the clients where they're at and engage them in whatever way is appropriate for that client, right? This takes some creativity and flexibility on the work of the social worker, because how you engage one client might be very different than how you engage another. Because people are going to come in with different levels of motivation, different presenting problems. And overall, sometimes some clients come in and they might be skeptical of services. So it's really meeting the client where they're at in the engagement phase. The next step is assessment. And people sometimes get tripped up on this part. Assessment simply means we are collecting more information. So assessment is the point in treatment when we are determining what the client's presenting problem is, right? Collecting that information. Why are they with us to seek services? So here we are collecting a variety of different information and every agency, every setting is going to be different. You might use certain tools to collect the information. You might have um, a set of questions that you use. This might be a biopsychosocial assessment. We're really trying to get a holistic idea of everything that plays a factor in that client's life. So here we're determining the strengths and weaknesses so we can identify which areas we want to work on in treatment. But like i said here we're just collecting information and you will see as we work through these steps they build upon each other so we are probably going to get more information out of a client if we really did a great job of engaging them and building that trust and they feel comfortable with us right they might be more willing to share information with us which in turn helps us with treatment planning and it helps us design a course of goals and objectives that we want to work on with that client. So what's an example of assessment? In this phase, you may determine anxiety is the main problem you will work on in treatment, right? We need information, though, to know that anxiety would be the presenting problem that we are going to work from. So stage one was engagement, stage two is assessment. Stage three is planning. So, we've engaged the client, we've collected information, it's time to get planning for what you're going to do and kind of designing that roadmap for how you want treatment to go. So, here you might be goal setting and objective planning. I always say with planning, you want to involve the client as much as possible. You also might be starting to decide what treatment modality you're going to utilize. So are you using CBT? Are you using ACT? Are you using DBT, play therapy? Or maybe a variety of different modalities. So what is planning? It's really making an action plan for the next steps, right? So you might be establishing treatment goals. You might be setting time limits, right? You, you might be doing a variety of those behind the scenes steps And like I said, we want to include the client as much as possible in the planning because we do not want to put goals or objectives into place that are not going to be feasible or workable for the client. And we know that when clients are involved in the process, they are more likely to have positive effects with treatment because they are involved in the treatment. Remember, we are partners together in this. Here's an example, Um, we're gonna go back to that anxiety example. So what would we do in the planning phase? You have determined that you will address the client's anxiety through 12 weeks of CBT. The goal will be to utilize coping strategies to decrease negative thinking in three out of five situations. When you're setting treatment goals, you wanna make sure that they are following the SMART model. So you want to make sure that it is a goal that is appropriate and that it, it, covers all aspects of that SMART goal framework. So we've engaged, we've assessed, we have a roadmap, we have our action plan for next steps. Next is intervention. So this is when you're actually doing whatever intervention you plan to do. This is where the bulk of the clinical work will be done because you're actually engaging in whatever modality or whatever treatment plan you have established. So you're actively working with the client towards their goals or towards their objectives. So here, this is definitely going to look different for each client. So in this stage, you may be utilizing a variety of different techniques to work towards those goals, right? It might be a manualized treatment, it might be a combination of treatment, it really depends. Here, you might also give clients activities to work on outside of session. Um, Some people give we call it homework, but it's really not. It's just some some guiding thoughts to work on throughout the week. And depending on the type of work you're doing, your setting, um, your length of time with the client, this phase may be long-term or short-term in nature, right? It really depends on your setting. If you're in more of a crisis setting, that might be a more short-term phase because you are trying to get the client to stability. But maybe if you're in private practice, It might be more long-term in nature. Here's our example. We're going off of that anxiety CBT example. During the intervention phase, you'll be utilizing CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. This may include working on distorted thoughts, practicing muscle relaxation, and mindfulness. So we're doing the CBT work with the client in the intervention. The next step, step five, is evaluation. And we know that in social work, it's part of our code of ethics, that data has to be a part of the work that we do. So in evaluation, we are looking at the client's progress. Have they made progress towards their established goals? How are they they responding to treatment? Are there areas of your work together that needs to be changed? Is this treatment modality working, right? Maybe you're like, we need to change things up. You are collecting more data here to help determine what the next steps will be. And evaluation is so important and it's important that you do it ongoing. So yes, it's step five, but you should continuously be collecting data because you wouldn't want to get 12 weeks into the work with clients and you have no data points to show if it's working or not. Right. We know that time is valuable to us and our clients. So we want to make sure that it is meaningful. So like I said, it's an ongoing process and it's helping us determine what we need to keep or what we need to change in the treatment process. So here we are. Is what you should be asking yourself in the evaluation phase, is my client making progress towards a decrease in negative thinking, right? We have those established goals. Are they making progress towards that? Are the CBT techniques and strategies helping the client cope with anxiety? So how do you collect data with evaluation? This could be formal. It could be informal. A lot of times you might do screeners, um, symptom management, asking questions of the client. And also we have a lot of knowledge too, because we have worked with this client to see if we feel that we are making progress or if they are responding to treatment. So let's imagine it's a perfect world. We've been working with the clients. We have looked at treatment goals and objectives and they have made significant progress. They have worked towards those treatment goals, and we feel that they are ready for the last phase, which is termination. And what termination means, I do want to note that termination is not just a one-time event. It is a process. So termination simply means that the end of the therapeutic relationship is happening. We're coming to a close with the therapeutic relationship. So ideally, like I said, in a perfect world, termination will occur. Once the clients and therapist agree that the treatment goals have been met and services are no longer needed. Right. They came in for a certain purpose, a certain presenting problem. We worked towards those goals and now we are moving towards termination. However, I do want to preface this by saying a client can terminate at any time. Right. So they might say, you know what? I just don't think this is feasible in my life right now, even though they might not have met treatment goals. However, if possible, as the clinician, we should be discussing termination early and often. So we should have time for our clients to prepare for the end of treatment, what this means, because for some, it can be mixed emotions, right? They might be fearful of terminating, Um, they might be anxious, some might be thrilled. It really depends. And it's really important that we do not abandon our clients, that is in the code of ethics, that we um, do our best to support the needs of the clients, and it would be unethical to abandon them. But knowing that this would be in a perfect world, sometimes things are out of our hands and we have to terminate, right? Maybe the client's choosing or maybe we had a health condition or some sort of family emergency, or we leave the agency. So we do our best to prepare the client for termination and do it in a way that's going to protect them and not cause more harm. So like I said, it's going to be a different reaction based on each client that you have. Some people might have termination be a time of joy and pride, right? Depending on what their presenting problem was. For others, it might be more challenging and they might be experiencing fear and anxiety. Also, when we are terminating, um, we as clinicians might have some feelings too. So it's important that if you are needing to process this with a colleague or a supervisor that you're doing that. So we wanna make sure that we're supporting our clients through this termination process. And of course, always meeting the clients where they're at. It's gonna look different for everyone. Okay, so, how do you learn this helping process? I just walked you through the different steps and we had a scenario that we walked through. But my suggestion is to think of a past client or make up a case scenario, someone you've worked with or a situation that you can brainstorm in your head. Use these six steps and actually work, walk through them and decide what would be, what would engagement look like? What would assessment look like and walk through each of the six steps in the process and use that kind of as your own case example. So what would you do with your client at each step in the process? When you are able to make up your own case scenario and use real life examples, it's going to help the information stick. Adult learners learn best by being able to apply it into their real life experiences. So that's my tip for learning the helping process. Find a way that's going to help the information stick for you. That was a brief overview of the helping process. Know this process in this framework and know it well, because on test day, you can always go back to these steps. And you can ask yourself, where am I in my work with the client? It's going to give you a really good framework to to develop as you are in the testing environment. So this is definitely one of our most popular topics because it is so applicable to so many different settings. If you're looking for more content, you can check us out on agentsofchangeprep.com. Make sure you're subscribing to our YouTube channel as we have new content coming out, and if you have any questions, you can always feel free to reach out at agentsofchangeprep at gmail.com. There really is something for everyone. And lastly, I want to thank you for tuning in. I want to thank you for taking the step in your journey towards making the next move in your social work career, and remember that you got this. Thanks.